you, brothers, select speakers. So I'm going to answer that question publicly to some degree. But I'll tell you, the brothers got together in a care meeting. We started with prayer, asking for the Lord's help. We selected speakers. It wasn't a simple process, but we did it. We selected a couple backups, a couple alternates, because you never know. You need to be prepared for contingencies. And we ended the meeting in a word of prayer, asking that the Lord would help those brothers that we selected. I believe he's answered our prayers. Let's talk a little bit about the reading meeting. You know, that's uh, I need to say, first of all, the plan now is to have an open meeting this afternoon as the Lord may lead. It's it's similar to the uh, reading meeting, is it not? When we gathered together on uh, Monday morning, many of you were here, but it just it it just had an impression upon me. So I'd like to uh, replay it, if you will, uh, from my perspective. But we sat down in the reading meeting and uh, a hymn was sung. Brother prayed, and there was a silence. I believe it was the time of waiting on the Lord. And I don't know if it was two minutes or six or eight. It seemed like a fairly lengthy and appropriate point of time. One brother said, well, he'd like to recommend the uh, first chapter of Second Peter. I thought, well, that's a good chapter, you know, uh, a lot of good principles, grace, peace, virtue, temperance, etc. Not laws, but principles. And I was waiting for Bill Brockmeyer to jump up and read the chapter. Well, before Bill had a chance to read the chapter, there was another brother. He said, that's exactly the portion I had on my heart. It didn't end there. There was a third brother. I had the same thought. My thinking is the uh, Lord ordered that. And our prayer is that he'll be over the next meeting as well. Having said that, please turn to some familiar verses with me. Uh, These are from the word of God. First Peter, chapter four, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, Let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Another familiar portion in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we just commit this meeting into thy hands. In thy name we pray. Amen.
I'd like to go back to 1 John 1 that our brother Jim read a few verses from this last meeting. I have truly enjoyed this first chapter of John's epistle. Like we mentioned the other day, John deals with the family of God. And a word occurs four times in this chapter that is characteristic of family life. It's the word fellowship. And I have found it very helpful, Jim mentioned it in his meeting, salvation is something that cannot be lost. But fellowship is something that can be lost very easily. And so, to go over these verses in brief, I don't want to take a whole lot of time. I'd like to leave time for others as well, but I'm going to read this chapter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message that we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So this chapter begins with a beginning. We have a beginning that in Genesis 1 that was read this morning. We have a beginning in John 1. But this is different than the beginning in Genesis 1 and the beginning in John 1. This is the beginning of the manifestation of eternal life in the person of the Lord Jesus when He came into this world. For the first time, you could see 
displayed what eternal life was. And so this is the beginning of the manifestation of eternal life in the person of the Lord Jesus. And it's interesting to connect this. I like to connect it with a verse in John chapter 8. Do you want to go back there and verse 25? The Lord Jesus is speaking here to the Pharisees of his time. And he says, or they ask him, verse 25, they said unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. There's the very same expression that you have in verse 1 of our chapter. That which was from the beginning. And the Apostle John, of course, is the one who is writing this here. But he includes the other witnesses as as well because he says that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have, which we have heard, first of all, which we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. To me it is so amazingly wonderful, brethren, that we can know God in the person of the Lord Jesus. Amazingly wonderful. This puny little creature on planet earth can know the eternal God of the universe. Is that possible? Yes, that is possible. How in the world is that possible? Because he came into the world as a man and man to man. We speak and we make each other understand. And so he came as a man. We heard Him. We saw Him with our eyes. We looked upon Him. And He came so close that the Apostle John could say, Our hands have handled. We know we're not talking cleverly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. That's what we are going to have in the chapter tomorrow. Oh, brethren, these things are historical realities. He came into this world so that we could know Him. And I love these little phrases in verse 1. What's the difference between seeing and looking on? Seeing is perhaps just a glance. I saw that person on the street this morning, okay? But it may have been just a glance. Looking on is more detained. Somebody has said it this way. One look to Jesus saves the soul. Every afterlook is the power of Christian living. And the more you look at Him the more you're going to see complete, absolute perfection. Oh, how wonderful it is to go through the Gospels and not only see Him, but look on Him. 
sometimes say to my brethren in Latin America, don't look at me too close because you're going to see quite a bit of imperfection. But you can look at the Lord Jesus all you want. You can magnify him. You know, in the printing industry, I noticed that those that run printing presses have a magnifying glass and they look at what they've printed. And when you magnify it, you see the defects in it. Put the magnifying glass to the Lord Jesus. All you're going to see is complete perfection every single time. So that's what it means to look upon him. Don't only just see him, look upon him. And then he says, our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto him, unto us. So the Lord Jesus is that eternal life that was with the Father and is manifested unto us. And then, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. You know, in Acts chapter 2, we have a verse that we often quote. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Beautiful outline of Christian practice for us today. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship. Apostles modifies both doctrine and fellowship. It's the doctrine of the apostles. It's the fellowship of the apostles. And so that's what you have here in this verse. That which we have seen and heard declare unto you. There's the apostles' doctrine. And upon that doctrine is based our fellowship. We can't just get together and say, now, what can we be in agreement on here? We're going to establish a new group of believers, and what can we be in agreement with it? No, it's already established. It's for us to read it and to learn, and that's what we do in reading meetings. When the Spirit of God is given liberty to open the Scriptures, so it's the Apostles' Fellowship, but it doesn't end there. He goes on to say, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Brethren, it has been such a privilege and a joy to my own soul to realize that God is a personal God. He's a God that wants fellowship with His creature. And it seems evident when He made Adam and Eve in the beginning... He came down in the cool of the day, and it evidently was his practice to walk alongside his creature, Adam. Adam the creature, God the creator, walks side by side in fellowship. That's the way God wants fellowship with his creature. But we know the story how that Sin came into the world and that fellowship was broken. And God, when He restores something, never restores it exactly the way it was before. No, 
Now we can have fellowship with God, but not as Creator, creature merely, but now as Father and children in His family. And so that's what we have. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Brethren, that's where real enjoyment lies. You young people, get a hold of it. It's not having a bunch of stuff in this world that's going to satisfy your soul. It's walking in fellowship with the Lord Jesus, with God as Father. That's what's going to be. That satisfies your soul. So he says in verse 4, These things write we unto you that your joy may be Half full, does it say? No. Full. What father here wants his children just to be half happy or joyful? No, we want our children to enjoy things in life. And our father is no different. Here is the recipe. Walk in fellowship with your God and Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the way of true happiness and joy in life. And what we have mentioned in the reading meetings, I want to mention again. Fellowship is, He talks with us, and we talk with Him. That way there's an interchange And you cannot neglect the reading of the precious Word of God and enjoy fellowship. Oh, how important it is to enjoy fellowship. If you come back to Lawrenceville and stay in our house with us, I think you'd find it strange if you'd see that my wife talks to me every once in a while, but I never pay any attention, nor do I answer her. You say, something's wrong here. And that would be right. Thankfully, it's not that way. It's an interchange. And every once in a while, we're talking together. That's normal in family life. And so much so, more so in the family life and God's family. Do you take time to read the Scriptures? You know, it's been a joy to me to see some who of young people who have really gotten into the reading of the Scriptures. And it's just not reading maybe five minutes a day, because like we mentioned the other day, you can read a chapter easily, quite easily in five minutes. But I've seen some, they're, they're half an hour, sometimes even more. An hour reading the Scriptures, meditating, maybe reading some ministry on it. That's part of it. Listening to His voice speak to us. And then prayer. Do you take prayer seriously? I think Jim mentioned it, that long prayers are for the closet. Can you say that, brother? And I agree with that. I remember... Clem Buchanan, who was a spiritual father to me, he said, 
Short prayers for the prayer meeting, long prayers for the closet. I think that's a pretty good principle to think about. Not that we want to make rules, but do you take time to pray? I mean, really pray. Take time to speak to the Lord. To pour out your heart. You know, when we pray, we're not trying to convince God of doing something that we know He already wants to do. But what I find is that in prayer, we get into fellowship. We get into the line of His thinking. And that's important. How much time do you take to pray? You know, Martin Luther, I understand, made this statement, and it was impressive to me. He said, I have so much to do every day, I can't take any less than three hours to pray. No wonder that man was used of God the way he was in his time frame. Brethren, it's important The reading of the Word and prayer. That's the way we cultivate fellowship. I find prayer not easy. I find it's labor. And it's valuable labor. Exercise. You know, when you exercise, you grow. Important things to keep in mind. But now, verse 5, this then is the message we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I love how John is so simple in his statements. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. What is light? We have the definition of what light is in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm not going to turn to it now. But light is that which manifests everything. In the light, you can't hide anything. If you try to hide in the light, you're going to make yourself that much more evident. Hey, you're trying to hide something. What is it? You can't do it. Besides that... In Him is no darkness at all. You know, in the very first chapter of the Bible, God divided the light from the darkness. And you can't mix those two things. They don't mix. They're mutually exclusive. Don't try to mix them up. That's the way the enemy of our souls constantly tries to do. Yeah, I know you're a Christian, but... Come on, don't be so rigid. You can't mix them. It doesn't work. And so, that's an important thing to realize. Those two things don't mix light and darkness. Then, verse 6, notice. If we say, Notice the first words of verse 8. If we say. Notice the first words of verse 10. 
if we say. It's easy to talk. But God puts the test to us. If we say, verse 6, that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You know, John speaks in black and white. He doesn't have any shades of gray. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and there's some darkness in there, you're lying. He puts it right out there in the open. doesn't work. You can't do that. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. This is beautiful, brother. If you're walking in the light, And I'm walking in the light. We meet up together. And what do we find? There's fellowship between us. And that's normal Christianity. Yes, sometimes children in a family may fight. But that's not normal. Normal is to have fellowship. And so, we have fellowship in the measure that we're walking in the light with one another. Just want to point out to the fact that in verse 3 we have fellowship of the apostles mentioned first. And then it says that that fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. That's first, brethren. Fellowship with our brethren isn't first. Now I want to encourage you to cultivate fellowship With the Lord, first of all, on the ground of what we have in Scripture, the Apostles' Doctrine. And then, what is the result is fellowship one with another. And it's a beautiful thing wherever you go in this world to meet up with believers who have that same eternal life because they have accepted the Lord Jesus as their Savior They're born into God's family. They have the very life and nature of God. Eternal life. And you enjoy fellowship. You know, sometimes I see brethren that can't even converse together because they don't know each other's languages. But they sit down together and maybe they use their Bibles to point out certain verses. Man, it's so amazing to see the fellowship that there is there. It's a reality. It's in the measure that we have fellowship with the Father and with His Son that there's fellowship with one another. Notice the end of verse 7 is a verse we use in the Gospel a lot of times. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. It's the blood... That can cleanse from sin. And sin is what impedes fellowship. Just want to make this statement that the cleansing of the blood of Christ is once for all 
when we accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior. Do we need cleansing after that? Yes, we do. But it's not the cleansing of the blood then. It's the cleansing of the washing of water by the Word. And that's why in the tabernacle, as the priests went in to do the service, there was the labor to wash their hands and feet. So that's important too. But when it says the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin... It's simply making a statement of what the blood of Christ does. It is powerful to take away that question that impedes fellowship. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Jim mentioned those last three verses, and I just want to briefly mention them again because I see in those last three verses... The way of restoration when fellowship is lost. And I notice that oftentimes young people, maybe older ones too, who get out of fellowship with the Lord, maybe it's not anything that serious, maybe a little lie. Here I am walking with my Lord during the day and I tell a lie. Is there fellowship now? It wasn't that bad of a lie. Maybe I could say there was a little white lie. Is there fellowship? Sorry, no fellowship. Yes, I still have that life, but fellowship has been broken. How am I going to deal with it? And I find so many times people don't understand how to deal with sin in their lives as believers. And if you read verse 8 and verse 10, I want to draw attention to it. You'll notice there are two verses are somewhat similar, but there's a difference. And I think it's important to notice the difference. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If you'll notice, verse 8 is talking about sin, that root principle that's in every one of us, that sin nature. Verse 10 speaks of the act of sin. If we say that we have not sinned, it's the act. So you have the root in verse 8 and the act in verse 10. And it's important when we sin not only to recognize and judge the act that we've done, but to recognize the root of it. You know, sometimes people recognize, I know what I did was wrong, but really I'm not guilty. That other guy, he provoked me, and he's guilty. You'll never get restored if you talk that way. That accusing finger has to come back to your own breast. Just what happened in the Garden of Eden when the Lord asked Adam, said, the woman... And the woman wasn't any better. She says, the serpent. Let's learn if we have sinned to put that finger right here and recognize I sinned because I let my old nature act. And that's why fellowship was broken. So it's important not only to recognize and 
confess the act that we did, but the reason why we did that was because of our sin nature here. And if we'll do that, then there can be restoration. And Jim was mentioning it in verse 9, and I think that is so important. And I just want to reinforce what he said. Confession is not asking for forgiveness. Confession is telling him exactly what you did. Don't beat around the bush. He already knows what you did. Tell him. That's important. That's confession. I sometimes say, if Jim and I were walking together and we were having good fellowship, but maybe I get annoyed at him and I tell him off. Well, that's sin. Fellowship's broken. If I say, forgive me, Jim, I'm not thinking about what I did that was wrong. I'm thinking about, he's probably kind of put off at me, and I'd rather he wouldn't be that way. So I'm going to say, forgive me. That's not what we need to do. Just like Jim said, we don't need to ask for forgiveness. We have forgiveness. It says in chapter 2, we have it. It's a present possession. But what we need to do is confess. And when I confess, I have to recognize the bad thing I did and say so. That's confession. And that's so important to do when we get out of sorts, when we lose fellowship with the Lord. Confess. And so it says, if we confess our sins in verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I just wanted to mention that the forgiveness that it mentions there is not judicial forgiveness. It's governmental forgiveness. It's the forgiveness that God has as a father in his family. And if there's not that, we don't get restored like God wants us to walk in fellowship with him. Brethren, these are simple principles, and especially for you dear young people, I just want to encourage you to walk in fellowship with the Lord. These are principles to think about, to put into practice. We need to judge ourselves constantly and to walk with a tender conscience. Don't ignore the voice of conscience. Paul said, herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Let's be exercised, dear young people, to walk in fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and as a result, in fellowship with one another.